and we're live <laughs> sorry yeah um your true voice is not something you're ever gonna hear yeah it's really bizarre hearing uh -huh. your voice on this so it is i have to get used to that yeah we were just testing the mic a second ago and it's weird to hear your voice yeah um yeah you're only hearing you're hearing your voice from the inside right of your brain or the inside of your head but when you record and then you hear it back you're actually picking it up what it actually says so you're hearing it through your ears i feel like that's what it is i'm gonna go with that i'll push the i believe button i know <laughs> yeah cheers yeah cheers what's up guys Roy here on the Balance Meal Podcast, and I have a rad dad today to talk to, Nick Parrish. Go ahead and say hi. How's it going, everyone? Mm -hmm. Nick has been a listener of the show, and it's interesting because I did teach your daughter, so this yeah. is interesting. Both of them. Yeah. <laughs> Both of sort them? of. Well, see, actually, I don't know if Cece was in your class. She might have been nope. too young, pre-K. Mm -hmm. Nope. Yeah, and... Um, I don't know. So who knows? You might hear stuff that they said to you, and you're going to finally say it to me. You've been holding back. been holding back. You don't even know. <laughs> yeah, hopefully you got the, the bleep button ready. Those kids, man, they repeat everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to have you on. Glad to have you on. Um, I think the big, the big thing I'm thinking about now is, I mean, it's Christmas. How's that going? And I, I love Christmas. I'm yeah. kind of... Uh, we have a, a running joke in my family where my wife puts on Christmas music like the day after Halloween. Mm -hmm. And this year, I'm trying to out-Christmas her and make her sick of it. Because I usually get sick of it somewhere around the second week of December. Really? So every chance I get, Christmas music is on and full blast in my house. And I'm losing hard. But really? Oh, the kids love it. I, I I'm not actually not sick of it because I've been so proactive about playing it at at uh, loud volume to the max extent practical good for you i'm the opposite i i am not a big christmas guy i have to i'm building new traditions is what i like to say now oh boy yeah i worked in retail for most mm. of my life and then um yeah i was talking about this today we traveled so much on christmas yeah. so my memories of christmas and holidays were always in a car with a dog and my two brothers yeah, that sucks. And then plus, like working retail, and then you would hear the you would hear the music right after Halloween, and it's yep. the same ten songs over and over again. Yeah. I've been discovering some better ones, but yeah, there's they're just variations of the same ten songs. I know, and no matter what people try to do, it's always the same. It's the same theme. You can only yep. do so much with Christmas, right? Yeah, and it'll be on at our house probably till Valentine's Day, but that's all right. I think I'll live. If it makes I, my girls happy, then I'm all right with it. That's good. I enjoyed the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Oh, I, I know that one. Yeah, they had a, they have a couple of cool songs on there that they wrote. Kevin Bacon sings one of them. What? Yeah. Oh, you man. Should, now I'm excited. Yeah. Okay. See, I love the movies. I hate the songs. Christmas movies, I think, are pretty rad. So I'm always looking for new ones. <laughs> Man, I wish I could sit through a Christmas movie these days. I'm really? Just, I don't know if it's me getting old or just like working my butt off, but man, I, I put a Christmas movie on and I'm asleep in like 10 minutes. Is it Christmas movie or just any movie? Uh, most movies. Most movies yeah. that my wife and I like, I will go to sleep. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, she won't watch like adventure or, you know, action, mm -hmm. but she loves rom-coms. So we'll put those on and fall asleep. Oh man, we watched we watched the single most terrible 
Christmas movie ever. Last week, it's called Best Christmas Ever. Ooh. And Hallmark? it has no, it has Heather Graham in it. Ooh. And Brandy. Do you remember Brandy the oh, singer? Yeah. yeah. And um my wife is pretty easy to please. She was like, This is terrible. Yeah, my wife is a addiction to terrible Hallmark Christmas movies. Oh man. But and you know what's funny is my brother in law actually used to do some like side acting and he's mm-hmm. in a Hallmark Christmas movie. Oh he is? I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but I will get it for you and it is <laughs> it is pretty epic and we, we still to this day have a running joke about his second family the hallmark movie family, <laughs> hallmark family. Yeah. that's funny. awesome but yeah you should check out um the guardians of the galaxy one it has a nice blend of the comedy action and the christmas i totally will or spirited that was a good one as will ferrell and ryan reynolds oh yes that's, that's an apple tv christmas i have not seen that one yet yeah that came out last year okay and then um our new tradition that we there's this movie called Claws K L A U S. I saw that one. We've watched that every year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, you're a closeted Christmas lover. I can tell. I am. It's the it's the romantic sort of story of it. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I don't. I don't know. In reality, I don't like it. I like watching it on the TV rather than experiencing it myself i guess yeah working retail will suck the joy out of it yeah, i got cussed sure. out because i didn't have any pumpkin pie filling one time oh man we can't have that mm-hmm. yeah it's all about those pumpkin spice lattes I dude i'm telling you <laughs> people go crazy for it yeah um but yeah no so i say i'm building new traditions is because i don't want to be a grinch and there's no point in like holding that on and i have a kid now and it's like yep they're excited and i'm not gonna want to ruin their fun and my wife loves christmas too so it's yep anyway building new traditions it's 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 going good totally yeah, yeah. i think we might be putting a fork in a, a tradition the uh we go to the nutcracker every year and this year was painful my five-year-old um let's just say she has the attention span of a gnat uh-huh. and, and the movie or the show was rough oh i oh man i bet yeah she was all over the place oh, i almost that's... wanted to like take her and go do something it feels like that needs to be like once every three years yeah that sounds about right i could probably do that mm. maybe with like a couple beers as well probably <laughs> help. beers help everything just like way overpriced beers at the play there's um you should try going to 43rd street at the north end yeah. and walking to the cavalier with all their lights that's yeah. pretty fun that's a fun tradition that is yeah i haven't been to the cavalier in forever i love going to the hunt room that place oh, is yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. With the smoked uh, old fashions. Oh, the best drink ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Cavalier's great. The Raleigh Room's fun. Yeah, we usually hang out there and mm-hmm. until we get into the Hunt Room. It's been so busy lately. You can't get in that place. Really? Yeah, it's always packed. You can go sit at the bar if you're lucky. but Yeah, I the Raleigh Room makes me feel like I'm transported back. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like the 40s or something. It's like the Great Gatsby there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The place is really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I dig it. It's been a minute. Yeah, I haven't been there since the summertime. I mean, that sounds like such a long time ago. (laughs) Feels like it now. Anyway, but yeah, Cavalier, Hunt Room. Go to their lights. And also, there's this house over on Starfish Road, over across the uh, Lesnar Bridge. And they have one of those, like, the lights are connected to music, and you, like, tune to the FM radio station. 
Nice. You could sit there for like 20 or 30 minutes. It's <laughs> okay. really funny. That's yeah. good gouge. Yeah, I'll check yeah. that out. I hope that that street doesn't get overrun. Yeah, you just let the no. secret out. Oh, my gosh. Yep. <laughs> All your thousands of listeners are going to be there. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, good to have you on. Yeah, thanks um, so, yeah, you're a dad. How many kids do you have? I got two little girls, five yeah. and seven. Man. They're pretty awesome. What's it like being a girl dad? Well, I've uh, let go a lot of uh, my masculine tendencies. <laughs> you just embrace the pink and sparkly. Really? And uh, enjoy it. It's pretty awesome. Was it hard in the beginning? Well, yeah, I mean, I obviously wanted a son, and mm-hmm. that didn't happen. But I am very happy with my two little girls. I just love the little cuddles, and it's just so much easier to love on them when mm-hmm. they're little girls than it is a, a son, I, I imagine. I don't know, yeah. obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and they say you pay for girls on the backside. Uh, so not looking forward to the teenage years, <laughs> but I'm hoping to uh, at least grow our relationship to be so strong that it's not an issue. And I, I think I'm, I think they're, they love their dad. So it's, it's going all right. Yeah. But that sounds like every parent wants to do that. Right. Yeah. We're all afraid. We're all afraid of the teenage years. Yeah. Molly's seven. And I, every once in a while I get a glimpse when she says something I'm like, what? Like, stop it. Yeah. No, you're seven. Uh huh. Like, go back to coloring and like, <laughs> sparkly unicorns. Don't think about a boy. Like, quit it. Oh man, yeah. that's rough. Yeah. Fortunately, she still thinks boys have cooties. I may have helped that. That's good. Notion. You so. should do. You know, you got to do what you can now, right? That's it. Yeah. I'm fighting a good fight. When I taught fourth and fifth grade, that's when I remember hearing girls talking about boys. Yeah. And drama. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, I bet. The drama starts early. It does. Yeah, it was two years ago. There was there was drama when I was te- for the f- couple of fourth graders. Oh, I just ran the class. Yeah, I bet. Oh, it was rough. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. Those kids, boy. Yeah. Get the fangs out. I, my kids are pretty good with each other. They lately have been nagging, but it, it's going all right. Yeah. They squash it pretty quick. Are they out of school already because it's yeah. private school? Yeah, they're out of school. Blessing and a curse. Yeah. We went skiing up at Snowshoe this weekend. Uh, wow. Back yesterday, which was great. It was really cold and blizzarding, uh-huh. um, which is great for skiing, but the five-year-old in the blizzard and the cold was not so great. And Snowshoe's West Virginia? Yeah. Wow. It was like almost six hours from here. It's a long uh-huh. drive, but it's beautiful up country up there. I think it's around 4,000 feet. Um, you know, I wouldn't... Coming from California, they're not the same mountains, but they're definitely mountains. Uh-huh. Uh, and snowshoes a weird one where the lodge is at the top of the mountain. So, like, you leave, you put your skis on, you immediately go down the hill. And weird. then you, you ride up. Yeah, uh-huh. it, it's bizarre, but it was fun. Uh, There's definitely some lessons learned there. Uh, ski school was great. Get the kids in ski school. Uh-huh. Uh, CC had a terrible time and did nothing but drink hot chocolate. Molly... I got her out of ski school and just had a proud parent moment where she was like, Dad, I want to go skiing with you. Let's go. And she had never been down at even a green run. Ski school was wow. just like bunny slopes. Yeah. And she just turned the corner and was like, just French fries straight down full speed and loved every second of it. I couldn't even keep up with her. So were you guys, were you a big skier growing up? No, I, she, I didn't start skiing until after I was married. So less than 10 years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I've t- really taken to it. Skiing's a lot of fun. It's really easy too. Yeah, I've got uh I've had two knee surgeries, so I don't know if skiing's in my future. Yeah, you got to be careful with that. 
Yeah. I, you know, though, skiing is the way they do it is they attach your boots to the skis. And if you're kind of novice, they make it to where you slip out real easy. So, like, if you're going to wipe out, you just kind of pull your foot out and you can stand. But once you get better, then you tighten them down mm-hmm. and you don't come out as easy. In fact, this time I finally got my own skis uh, and they were moderately tight. And Cece, I was holding her between my legs going down this run and she got a ski underneath mine somehow. Ugh. And I did the splits and like landed on top of her holding myself up and like literally could not get up <laughs> doing the splits with skis on that wouldn't come off. It was brutal. <laughs> yeah, I like, had to like roll off and damn near break one off. It was, it was rough. Yeah. I've, I love the culture of skiing and snowboarding and like the idea of being in a mountain in the snow and all of that. Yeah. You know, and then you grow up watching the 80s ski movies and it always yeah. looks like so much fun. Yeah, it's really only fun once you can do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't, I, for an adult, I think it only takes like maybe a time or two and you can at least do green runs. And green runs are always like super easy. And the blues are, they're not hard. Yeah, that's cool. I love um, also just the riding on the... Uh, the chairlift? The chairlift. Yeah, I, was, that too. I was in... Um, we went to Big Sky a few years ago, Montana, yeah. and, but it was in the summertime, and you nice. can still just ride the chair, and it's it's relatively cheap, yeah. Not compared to the pass, the pass because a friend of ours lives there, and she like bought a pass for the the season. It was like sixteen hundred dollars. Yeah, that sounds about right. It's nuts. Jeez. Unless you're like a resident local, and then it gets a little cheaper, but. But just riding on the ski lift was pretty fun. You crack a couple beers. Mm-hmm. I had a great time. Yeah, in the summers you can mountain bike mountains. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't done it yet, but I really want to. I love mountain biking. Especially if you're going only downhill. Yeah. So man, you seem to love the adventures. I do, yeah. I'm kind of a adrenaline junkie. Less now that I'm a parent, but you know. was that what you were doing as a kid? Or you were in were you uh flying planes? Yeah. Doing... Shoot, I I've always been a real adrenaline junkie. Uh-huh. I uh, well I take that back. So when I was really young in elementary school, I was kind of a timid kid. Like my uh-huh. mom passed away when I was really young, like six. And so for a while there, I just I kind of went inside myself and, and not until my dad got remarried and I had like a stepbrother my age who was very outgoing uh-huh. that I come out of my shell. And once kind of my stepbrother and I started hanging out, man, we, we did all kinds of crazy boy stuff. You know, we ended up like saving up. My dad and I bought a $50 motorcycle at a garage sale Suzuki 150 it wouldn't start it was just full of rust and we cleaned it out fixed it up painted it Uh and it was still a hunk of junk but it ran and I started riding dirt bikes and then ultimately upgraded to like a real dirt bike had a great time doing that and riding mountain bikes and scooters and skateboards and terrorizing the neighborhood and then uh, yeah my dad and and that lady split I really didn't talk to them much Uh, Mm -hmm. unfortunately that side of the family didn't do so hot after we, they split. Um, and then from then on, I was I was hooked, right? Played football and basketball and wrestled in, in high school and then went, started flying aircraft uh, when I was 16. And then uh, went to college, flew aircraft, did the military thing in college, uh, was an avid scuba diver. So, yeah, I've kind of always been a wow adrenaline junkie. Yeah. <clears throat> Are you hoping that the, the girls pick up on some of that? Yeah, I think... I've come to terms with reality. Molly is, you remember Molly. She's very quiet. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> she's reserved. She's uh, sweet, like very like rule follower, mm-hmm. people pleaser, and doesn't really have an adventurous bone in her. 
I caveat that with I convinced her to skateboard, and now she loves it. That's cool. She's really good. And hopefully this airs after Christmas, but she's getting a skateboard for Christmas. So. <laughs> yeah. It's um, she's doing really good. She can skateboard on her own now, like yeah. longboard, cruise around the neighborhood, um, and it really helped her confidence. So that's and cool. Cece is the opposite. Mm-hmm. She's a little daredevil, but she's got this like really whiny kind of bad attitude right now. We're trying to break. Um, but she when she wants it, she does it. For example, riding bikes. Molly learned, and Cece two years younger was like yeah. i'm gonna learn too dad and she just kept going and crashing going and crashing and finally it just clicked and i've never seen a kid ride straight into a parked car so many times but cc <laughs> just did not care and i was super proud of her but they're just polar opposites and i'm hope i think cc's gonna be my adventure and i'll probably be able to do more mm-hmm. active outdoor stuff with her but like while molly's timid and quiet she's very willing to please so you know, we'll go do the ropes course, the adventure course over by us. Yeah. Love mm-hmm. that. Biking, skateboarding, hiking. She's pretty good there. Um, I think she's coming out of her shell. That's cool. Yeah. So um, let's talk about, um, you know, one of the things we talk about, the birth stories. How was that? Was it? Uh, talk about that. Yeah. The. Uh, so I think what's funny is you know, Molly was conceived at my sister's wedding. And one year later, nice. on their first anniversary, they conceived their first child. So we have uh, daughters that are exactly one year apart, which is pretty great. Uh, <laughs> and don't go to the parties. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Be careful. <laughs> we got, we stay far apart now. Yeah, don't worry. Mm-hmm. Ten years of marriage. Mm-hmm. You learn the tricks of the trade. <laughs> the, uh, but yeah, so I, I think just that is one of the most touching experiences, right? The watching a child grow inside your wife and then mm-hmm. like, be born into the world was just amazing. Every aspect of it just is a testament to like the woman's anatomy and their ability to like really a superpower to grow mm-hmm. another human like that. I mean, and then once they're born, there's like super ability to, you know, work on no sleep and breastfeed. I mean, all of that is, is incredible. Uh, both of them mm-hmm. were, I was blessed that there were no medical complications in our uh, childbirth but like man i was just blown away by the whole thing was... yeah it's always wild to watch and to to experience it i mean i'm always even now i'm amazed at the connection yeah that like he has to her yeah and just you kind of like gain something from watching that's right the whole process were you very like hands off or hands on oh no i was in there the whole I, i'm yeah. not at all squeamish yeah. So like, I was in there the whole time helping with everything and it was just really cool to see the, the process. And, mm-hmm. you know, I dare I say I enjoyed it a lot more than my wife, but sure. uh, uh, then came the really hard part, the like infant never sleeping. I mean, you remember that it's, yeah, that was rough. No mm-hmm. doubt. Um, in fact, you know, I, I was in the military and I did, uh, I went to Sears school. You familiar with Sears school? Mm-mm. So it's really, they teach you, it stands for survive, evade, resist, escape. It's really teach you to survive torture. And, okay. and like, so you know, part of that training is you spend some time in a simulated torture camp in a few days without food and sleep and you start hallucinating. Um, and I, I, I hallucinated when my kid was awake for all hours of the night and I was sitting there with her, not allowed to sleep. Same exact experience I had at Sears school. It was kind of funny. <laughs> Got to relive that experience all over again. Yeah. You really, uh, you understand the need for sleep. Yeah. 
it's a it's a real thing but you know I equate fatherhood to having higher highs and lower lows mm-hmm. and i can tell you with 100 percent certainty that the higher highs are well worth the lower lows yeah mm-hmm. so I, yeah it's interesting how you know they you start with no sleep and then mm-hmm. like it has that whole set of problems and then you figure out how to work through that and then they're on to a whole new set of things. Yeah. And then you figure that out. And it's like, uh, I think my wife said our life is seasonal now. It really is. You know, you just, it's like, whatever it is. Yeah. This is going to be weird and Mm -hmm. we'll probably figure it out. And then in six months, it's going to be something totally different. Yeah. And and what's interesting is every parent, you have some that you identify with where Mm -hmm. you've gone through this for the first time. And Mm -hmm. so they, this, this shared experience, even if you don't see eye to eye on anything else, you know that that guy has been in a rocking chair at two o'clock in the morning with a kid that would not stop screaming. Yep. And and you got that in common. So you kind of have yep. this mutual respect and uh-huh. it just, it makes it easier to talk to other parents. Yeah. And I think it makes it easier. I don't like, it makes it easier in public when you hear like crying. It's, it's just not, there's more like the, as I've gotten older and had the kid, there's more empathy that comes mm-hmm. rather than, oh my God, I wish that kid would stop crying. That's right. Yeah. And it's it's wild to watch like someone who doesn't have a kid or single people react versus like parents. That's right. Yeah. I have, I have a friend who just had a baby and they had, they had a baby under, you know, premature under very rough conditions and he's, he's having a hard time with it. Mm-hmm. And I really feel for him. And I just try every time I talk to him, I want to say, listen, man. It's hard now, but trust me, mm-hmm. you're going to look back on this. You're not going to remember the hard like you do now. And you're going to love the quiet moments when you have a sleeping baby. And that kid just trusts you in mm-hmm. implicitly with its life. And that bond that you form, I, I, I try to convey to him that it gets better. A yeah. Lot better. I like that you were talking about like the, the safety aspect. Just the first time he fell asleep yeah. on me, that feel like you know that they're like they feel safe enough that's right to go to sleep oh my god yeah Yeah, i know even you know even now like i was putting him down and he just fell asleep with me and that's pretty great yeah and 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 it's one of those things that like you can't really explain to people no you can't you kind of have to experience it it's and people won't believe you when you tell them Yep, they won't. You got to live it. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, I didn't, you know, I've said this numerous times about my struggle with wanting kids and stuff. And, Mm -hmm. you know, once once he was there, I forgot. I forgot why I didn't. That's right. You know? Yeah. Now there's there's this kid, and I I lay awake at night wondering about all the things I can't protect him from. (laughs) Oh, I do the same thing. And I I just, what am I going to teach him today? Mm -hmm. What do I want to impart on them to prepare them for the hard parts of life that are going to hit them? Oh my gosh! Yeah, and then you go down the rabbit holes of stuff. We we had a we had a little scare. We were in Denver uh, a couple weeks ago, and mm-hmm. Denver Airport has a lot of the moving sidewalks, and they're like right next to each other. Yep. And so he's he's at the age where he's wanting to be a little bit more independent, mm-hmm. you know, and and we're wanting to give him some independence and stuff. Yeah. Like we did this. This was this was pretty freaky, but we did it. Um, I went, I, we, I had to get something from, we were at a hotel. So my wife was in the lobby and then I wanted to run up and get something. And I forget why. Oh, I needed, I think I needed to drop the key or something anyway. So my uh, kid came with me, we went up to the elevator and then 
I went up to the, oh, I needed the key to get into the room anyway. So I went and I got in the room and then we went back to the elevator and I said, okay, we're going to open the elevator. You're going to go down to the L and mom's going to be right there. Do you understand? He was like, yeah. I was like, you're not going to get off for anybody else. You're not going to do anything. Nope. I got it, dad. So then I put him in the elevator Oh boy! and let him go down the stairs or the elevator. And, you know, I texted and my wife said, okay, he's here. Don't worry. <laughs> but then, so we had had that and it was successful. And then we we're on the movable sidewalks and I misunderstood what I was supposed to do. So we were, we went down the sidewalk and we moved and then he wanted to do it himself. And so I, for some reason, I'm an idiot. Instead of letting him go down and me wait, I went down and he waited. <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm just like this this was stupid and it was one of those things where it's like i don't see him anymore and it was like oh my god this is those scenes in the movies oh it's oh my god oh you know my wife was you know it was just this she was like what are you doing i can't you know that's not what i said but everything was fine yeah but it was just yeah we my kids loved those moving those people mover Mm -hmm. sidewalks Mm -hmm. and i would i they want to do the same thing yeah i want to go out by myself i said Okay, you can. I'm going to stay next to it, and we're going to walk the wrong way on it. Or they are. And yeah. turn them loose on a basic free treadmill, and they loved it. And yeah. it was, all the passengers were so annoyed walking down it. I was like, I don't oh, care. yeah, they are. Two I kids going were. the wrong mm-hmm. way up the thing. It was hilarious. Yeah. So, so yeah, but he's fine. But, oh, yeah, I won't do that again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like uh, you only have one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Once that second one comes, the. Uh, the, the level of uh, I don't know how to say this nicely. You definitely like loosen up, and you don't worry really? about as much. Yeah, they call it second child syndrome, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm no expert, but like, you, you're not as worried. Like my kid routinely drives into parked cars on various vehicles, <laughs> and like she's a, she lives. You know, yeah. That's so, yeah. yeah. I've heard that before. The second child syndrome. Yeah. I mean, we have friends that have like three or four. Yeah. Good on them. And what, and watching that is like, you're just like, oh my gosh! It's like, how do you keep track of all the kids? Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, my friends who have multiple kids say it, it just gets easier with more. I'm like, I don't buy that for instant. <laughs> I have a friend with six kids now. Six? Yeah. He I, just won't stop. I knew a guy whose brother had an eight. Oh man, yeah, that's real common in like hardcore churches like that too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I eight. We had a couple church family friends that were like that yeah oh my gosh baby factories good mm-hmm. for them i think uh we're, we're done um well obviously you know when you had the old airframe modification but we're Did. still trying for another oh really oh okay no that's a joke. oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're one and done too yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> we did it we're good yeah yeah, it was, it was great. I, I would love to have more children, but I don't think I have enough money nor enough time to deal with more mm-hmm. kids and give oh. them the attention that I think they deserve. Yeah. So we were talking before. I don't want to forget this. That's why I'm bringing it up now about because yeah. I was a part of a pretty intense church, and you were saying you were a part of a pretty intense church. Yeah. Um, was it called the Calvary Chapel? It was It was a – really, the Calvary Chapel wasn't very intense. It's a great, like – church it was kind of just the one that we were at and it was, was it in virginia parents. was it california or yes yeah, california okay yeah um and it was like 
I mean, the youth group was pretty invasive in my life. And uh-huh. it was, I think what made it intense was the fact that I didn't really want to go as much, but I was kind of forced to. Because your parents? Yeah, well, my, you know, my parents, after my mom died and my dad got remarried, they split up. And then he kind of, you know, really found himself in the church and wanted that for us. And I was in like ninth grade. Like, like I was still scared of girls. And yeah. Wanted to like play football and like just do boy things. Mm-hmm. And they were like, no, you're going to the youth group. And I was like, I don't want to do this. So that's what made it hard. And then it was also very like overbearing. Mm-hmm. You will go four days a week. And like you will go on these like group dates and like all this stuff. And there were some cool aspects of it. Uh-huh. Um, like I got to go on a really incredible backpacking trip with my boys youth group on the eastern side of the Sierra Nevadas. Mm-hmm. It was like, it was a gnarly hike, man. I think we did like, like, I mean, it was like eight or nine miles a day, which isn't crazy, but up in like 10,000 foot mountains with like pristine crystal clear lakes and it was like a four or five day evolution it was fun i love that aspect of it but going there so often really drained me oh i bet and then the yeah, super man. awkward talks and you remember that goes. <laughs> <sighs> yeah i was what i didn't want to forget was this because so i was a part of the really intense church and then i got a job at a coffee shop that was catered to churches like one of their big bread and butter was selling coffee to churches to serve in the mornings. Mm -hmm. So we would market at like Christian music festivals and things like that. And so what, what, what I love hearing are stories like yours is because it makes me feel less special. (laughs) It makes me feel like it's not just, it wasn't just like my church that had this, like there are, were other churches that like, Mm-hmm. felt the way I felt and had to go on weird dates and yeah I don't think it was quite to the level of extreme yours was but, pretty yeah, early yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it was definitely like it got to the part of it is you know as a parent and I uh-huh. imagine my dad was probably in his 40s then so he's a little bit older than I am now he wants the best for his kid and he thinks that being heavily involved in the church is the best and like when you're in ninth grade 10th grade you're like that's i want no part of this yeah i want to live mm-hmm. my life i want to have fun mm-hmm. i want to make crazy cool memories and that's that's what i wanted for myself and so the diverging hypotheses on what constitutes a full life kind of manifested there mm-hmm. and you know my dad and i saw eye to eye on, on most things my entire life you know until very recently we had kind of a falling out but i don't know we'll see what comes of it but uh yeah it was Growing up like that was was weird. The, mm-hmm. <laughs> church can definitely be weird, but now I mean, we go to Grace Bible, and I'm still a Christian. Like, uh, I've definitely like shifted in my philosophy a little bit mm-hmm. um, as it pertains to like creationism. I, I'm very analytically minded and have to back everything up with kind of evidence. Yeah, and so that that makes it hard to grapple with like what is the essence of the Christian faith and faith, right? And, and mm-hmm. so there's there's a lot of interesting scientific hypotheses as to creation and how it fits in with the scientific evidence we have. And I think there's there's enough evidence to to make it plausible that, that the world was created. And I, I believe that. I choose to believe it. You know, obviously there's no definitive evidence mm-hmm. either way. Um, I don't think even the atheists have a great argument either. It's just it's hard to see back that far. And so, yeah, and I think faith is faith is kind of like a choice and when you think about it, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're choosing to to 
believe in something. Yeah, and that's that was a really hard thing, I think, for a lot of people to understand. You know, just my married my wife before she was a Christian, mm-hmm. um, and just constantly dragging her through church and everything. She kind of just would go through the motions and enjoy it. And, and then she, we had like the hard talk of like, well, what does it mean to believe? And you know, she was she thought faith meant that you had to truly understand and believe that that is there's everything points to Jesus dying on a cross and creation and mm-hmm. the Bible. And the fact of the matter is, is there's a lot in, of evidence in science and the Bible that don't necessarily marry up perfectly. And so in order to believe that it's not irrefutable proof that this is the way things are, it's, you have to choose it. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say that you got to choose to ignore facts, but you have to choose that you want that way to be the truth and then investigate uh, other possible hypotheses that apply to it. Yeah. I think it's, it's more about, I think when it, when I think about like my faith now and, and where I've come and this, I kind of look at it as more the search is the point rather than the destination. Yeah. So it's like the constant like thinking about this. And like, yeah. I do have this, I have this big belief that we're never going to find the, the answer right now. I, I just, I don't feel like, I don't feel like I, it just, it just doesn't make, I don't know if it doesn't make sense to me. I just think that the answer is not the point That's whether right. or not we're right or wrong. I think it's, it's, it's the search and, and how we let that transform our lives. That's sort right. of. Mm-hmm. And that, that is somewhat how I view things is that what's the, what are the, the benefits and the drawbacks to believing that mm-hmm. Jesus died on a cross for our sins? The benefits are if I'm right, it's going to be awesome after I die. And mm-hmm. on this planet, I live a better life. Mm-hmm. What if I'm wrong? Then I'm going to be in the ground like everyone else. And I've lived a better life for it. So yeah. like, I see a lot of, of benefit and very little drawback mm-hmm. to that. And, you know, that plays into it. And lately I've been doing a lot of research on like the various hypotheses of creation. Because I get so hung up on mm-hmm. the primary argument against God being that, well, you know, the Big Bang existed and, you know, we evolved. And there's, a, there's very scant evidence to prove the Big Bang was ever a thing. And it, it is a pretty big leap you have to make. That and all of the scientific evidence, you know, shows that yeah, absolutely, evolution is a thing. It still is in adaptation, evolution. Call it what you will, right? Creation still has a place in that story. I never felt like the the fact that you can see evolution negated anything for me. Yeah. You it know, took me a while to get there. I just I was like, I don't know. I just I I've never been afraid of. I've never been afraid of science in that sense. I mean, even as a kid and in, in this really intense sort of view of God and view yeah. of our purpose and our, our purpose in like life. I don't know. I just felt like science gave us words for things versus like refuting, you know, yeah. I think people thought that, uh, you know, it's, it's the times like this when, you know, all the the things that are up here normally in my head are gone. Yeah. But it's like, you know, you would think about uh, something like bread getting moldy and people thought that it was, they didn't know why. And it was just because of the bacteria that forms when things are out there. It didn't like take away anything. It just gave words to the fact that if you leave bread out, it's going to get moldy. Um, the yeah. Big Bang Theory, in a lot of ways, I mean, sure, it gave words to, 
you can look at it as a sense of it gave words to the you know let there be light Mm -hmm. you can like think about it that way Mm -hmm. um i just feel like i just don't want to split hairs i'm not worried about the the proving i'm just worried about like the transformation of and like if it's moving me towards being more connected to people and the sort of majesty that is our existence like those are the things i'm sort of like working and talking about i mean i am sort of like i love like researching like where things in the bible come from i mean i'm i'm like even like now i'm i've been reading books on hell oh you know just kind of like deep dark stuff there well because that guy rob bell wrote the book love wins where he kind of questions the existence of hell and then pretty quick after that these two guys wrote like like in response to that and so i've been Mm -hmm. reading those to just kind of see and it's it's been really interesting to like wow yeah i gotta gotta check that out it's just it's interesting to feel like there's questions and then there's questions and there's questions you can ask and there's questions you can't ask and when someone says i can't ask that question i immediately am going to be like well i'm probably going to ask it more yeah. No, I'm the you same know? way. Like, why? Yeah. Why? And have you pre- had any like irrefutable experiences in your mind where you experienced God? When I think about experiencing God, it's one of those things that's like really hard to put into words. And I think I'm okay with not doing that. You just have a feeling. I, I get it's like when you get the goosebumps mm-hmm. and the prickles on the neck. Um those are those times most of the times i'm i'm probably by myself usually in nature um sometimes it's an understanding sometimes there's just this sense like when um like after my dad died some songs would come on and that would be this feeling of like okay there was like something that was connecting me to him but also everything's gonna be okay yeah like that's kind of where i feel like i'm experiencing it yeah totally i i get that i get the same thing I, I think back to all the times I say, oh, that was probably God. Hey, there's always an alternative explanation, right? Human emotion, song comes on, or like just the sheer odds. But there, there's been a couple of times in my life where like God has moved me in a direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, I'll tell one of the stories. It's pretty great. So I'm, you can't see me on the podcast, but I'm 6'4". Mm-hmm. I'm a very large human and I joined the Navy. My dad was an attack pilot in the Navy, flew A-7s off of aircraft carriers and did heroic things. And I wanted nothing more than that for my entire life, uh-huh. as far back as I can remember. And so I joined. You know, I, I got a, a commission in the Navy after going to college and went to flight school. And the first thing they do in the Navy is you go to this, this ground school type building in Pensacola and they measure you. And it doesn't really matter your, your overall height. But your dimensions, like your knee to your hip, your your hip to your shoulder and your head, that matters. And for me, like I'm long in the torso, I'm, I'm my sitting height was too tall for jets. So oh, they said, man. nope, you're going to fly helicopters or P3s. And that just like killed my soul and lit a fire in me. And so I, I just wouldn't take no for an answer. And th- there was no remeasuring me. Like, sorry, it's set in stone. You get this once, like you're going to go fly helicopters. We need, Navy needs helicopter pilots. Nothing against helicopter pilots, but I wanted no part of that. You wanted to fly the planes. Yeah, and so I went to to primary flight school, and I, I, I drew the short straw, and I got the uh, the exchange program with the Air Force, where I went through Air Force flight school. 
and someone from the Air Force went through Navy flight school. And for someone who doesn't know, it's a much better deal to go through flight school with the Navy because they treat you like an adult. And the Air Force treats you <laughs> like a child. I would argue for the better. I, I think I became a better pilot for it. But uh, overall, it's like grueling. You will fly twice a day. You will be at work for like 10 hours a day. You will not leave the building except for like a 10-minute lunch. And you will fly twice. And like, ah, if you're not on the flight schedule, go to the beach. And do a little studying, go to the beach. And it's just a much better experience. So anyways, I go to, I go to this fancy Air Force base, flight school with the Air Force. And uh, did really well. I loved every second of it. And just so happened, the multiple-starred admiral in charge of naval aviation training was visiting Vance Air Force Base right at my graduation. And my squadron commander, you know, went up to him and said, hey, I got this, this killer guy. He's top of his class. He really wants to fly jets. But they measured him wrong. And I think he should get remeasured. And the admiral goes, sure, just send an email to my office. I'll get him remeasured. Wow. So they, they flew me back down to Pensacola and... The days leading up to that, I had my wife sitting on my shoulders. I wore like a super heavy backpack full of books and weights for like two or three days. Landed there, dehydrated myself. And I was like an inch and a half shorter. And then I flew jets for 10 years. <laughs> and But I equate that to knowing that there was divine intervention there because the, that doesn't happen. Like you don't yeah. ever get re, remeasured. Like this was a, a pretty high probability or low probability of actually happening to the point where I felt like there was, there was a reason. And there's been numerous things that have followed there that I think have, have been why God wanted me to fly jets. But it, it, I was really blessed with a great career in the Navy. I flew F-18 Super Hornets. I eventually got to fly F-18 Charlies. I've flown in the back seat of numerous aircraft, uh, landed on ships, um, deployed a few times, um, never saw combat, fortunately. And unfortunately, you know, but uh, it was it was a it was definitely God's hand in my life. Yeah, that's awesome. I think those kind of things you can't explain. No, you can't. And and not at all. I think I don't want to be the person that just goes, no, it's just you just got lucky or it was just chance. I don't know. There's too many things I think that are happening that are pointing to things like, yeah, you know, something working in our lives and uh you know i think that it could have been you know a lot of times you just people like to say you manifested that as well yeah, you know that's could be that something too. too but just like that's a really cool story yeah thank you you know but i feel i feel moved i think by the spirit most mm -hmm. when i'm in just by myself in nature mm -hmm. and like just astounding beauty um, and and one of the places that is always manifested for me is when i'm scuba diving underwater on a coral reef mm -hmm. like there's no I, I don't understand why biology would have evolved to make these crazy colorful crystal like structures on a piece of rock in the water but mm -hmm. like and just millions of different beautiful fish but man it is moving to see that yeah i sitting on the beach for me most of the times yeah. um being in places that are so remote being just immersed in nature mm -hmm. you kind of feel you feel the i love these nature works on such a system that's hard to feel that it's just like random chance that it all got put together in this way you can watch you know 
trees grow, they die, they fall over, they become food for everything, and that food's in the soil, and then it grows another tree, and the rivers, it just, mm-hmm. there's too much going on for me to just say this is just a nice, happy accident, you know? I'm with you there. And uh, But I'm also at the place of, like, I don't care if people don't see how I see. I don't care if people don't understand how I see. And not in like yeah, a mean, me not in like a mean way, because however they see it's fine with me too. Because yeah. we, I think what we've gotten too far in that like we have to prove and 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 I'm right, you know, kind of mentality, which yep. I'm trying to get kind of more distance myself from that, because that for me was incredibly toxic, and I think it it oh, yeah. It doesn't for it doesn't forward ourselves any further or any closer to connection or like any closer to healing. I it agree. just it big it just drills it just draws lines in the sand. I think we have too many of those. No, I'm with you there. I, I, the more I grow and older, the less I I want to be enemies with people. And so you know this manifests yeah. primarily in like political views. Like yeah. everyone has their camp. And frankly, uh-huh. I think the reason this country is so great is because we have the ability to hold discourse, heated debate, and, mm-hmm. and have differing opinions, yet still share core values. Yeah. You know, freedom, democracy, um, you know, like life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, that kind of stuff, it matters. Yeah. Uh, and so when people disagree with me, like, whatever. Like, I just won't talk about it in too much detail. Or I won't, like, let it get under my skin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try not to be, like, combative. Um, you know, generally speaking, I'm kind of, kind of a libertarian now. I just, after working so long in the government, I want less of it because <laughs> people think these these leaders have it together and they really do not. Yeah. Either just like you and I, except with a lot more power. And so, a lot more money usually. Oh, yeah, that usually follows, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're, we're in too many camps. We're too, we're too busy trying to talk about why the other side's wrong and we're right and it's not doing anything for us and a lot of it's not practical you know no. like all mm-hmm. of the issues very little of it is practical to your life yeah but you have an opinion and that's the way that it's going to be and can any of these issues or problems be solved simply no. like even like i was even like i i talked about how like a lot of the problems that we're facing are like these onions there's just so many layers to it and there's just not one way yeah you know, so, and I and I, I view everything now through the, like I have to, you have to have some base level of truth, mm-hmm. and for me that's you know God and, and my relationship with Him, and also the founding of our country and the Constitution. You know, I, I obviously swore an oath to protect it, uh, and, and I take that seriously. And so I view the American Constitution as one of the pillars of America's greatness, mm-hmm. um, and the rights that that affords American citizens. I mean, that's that is powerful stuff. And so the only thing that worries me is, is the, the idea of just end running the constitution. Mm-hmm. So I, I equate everything. Well, how, how would the constitution view this? And well, if we really want to make this change, it's going to take an amendment, which is going to take two thirds of the States to ratify, which is like never going to happen. So why even bother at some point, we're just going to have to let the government step back and let people work this out. Yeah. I think I'd like to think that we could, I'd like to hold on to the hope that we could figure this stuff out instead of, I, you know, because the cynical approach is doesn't look that great. <laughs> no, it does not. You're it right. never does. You know, I mean, 
I don't know. I like to think that I, I, I'm more purple than red and blue. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of both of them. Yeah. I see both sides and I think more of us should be a little bit more purple. I agree. (laughs) A lot of people that are just way too opinionated. Uh Uh-huh. They are. Hold on one second. Yeah. It doesn't take recording. It doesn't take very long or like going back to it. Yeah. It doesn't take very long. Um, basically it's stream of consciousness. That's how I kind of approach this. I only edit it if there's anything that like comes up and you know, you're like, I don't want that in there. I've only had to do that a couple of times. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But yeah, good stuff about the, your, really your just approach to all of this is really cool. Um, it's good to hear. You mentioned something about backseat. What does it mean to be the backseat? Is that like in Top Gun where you were the navigator telling them where the... Yeah, so it depends on what community you're in. But nowadays, generally speaking, in the Air Force and the Navy, mm-hmm. there's only a few platforms that still have two-seat cockpits, mm-hmm. the F-15E, uh, the F-18. Um, and the way it works in the Navy is slightly different than the Air Force. So if you're in a two-seat aircraft, you work as a crew. Um, so the backseat actually doesn't have like a stick and throttle at all. They have um, weapons controllers, so they can guide bombs in they can operate radar sensors mm-hmm. um do a lot of the aircraft setup but they actually don't fly um and i've done both i was uh, so i spent th- three years as a single seat guy so one seat in an aircraft um did a lot of that which was great i think it made me a better pilot but then i went to be an instructor and i started to fly with more wizos which is what you call people in the back seat weapon system operators um and i really just it's a, it's just a lot more fun, I think, to fly with another human, be able to like talk trash about the guy next to you, yeah, yeah, aircraft, yeah. Uh-huh. or like, hey, are we doing this right? I don't know. Okay, good. Yeah. Or, or you know, did you hear what he said? Yeah, I did. He said this. Okay, you got it. Uh-huh. And I really enjoy that. Um, I think like as far as effectiveness goes, a good single seat pilot can kind of hold their own with a two seat crew. There's certain mission sets that require a two seat crew, but like, if I were if I were to go back and do it, I've had so many excellent friends that were Wizzos. Like, I would want to go to a two-seat squadron. Now, so it's not like a beef squad thing. Like, you don't become the the Wizzo out of, like, you weren't a good pilot, No, that, not necessarily, like, like, quality of performance. It's usually, like, eyesight. Oh, Because okay. it takes, a, like, you have to have, like, perfect eyesight to be a pilot. Because you land on the boat at night, and you got to see this tiny little thing way out there. And they're hard on that. Yeah. And nowadays, with LASIK, that's gotten a lot better. But a lot of the Wizzles just had bad eyesight. And they're, like, star performers. Just, they were dealt a bad, set, you know, hand. Gotcha. Um, and so, then you also see... Every once in a while, you'll have someone that becomes a Wizzo um, that couldn't like land on the boat or something. Landing on the boat is is kind of, is, it's a real like widow maker, right? It 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 definitely separates the the chaff from the wheat, right? And you had to do that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Now it's gotten a lot easier. Um, they've improved the flight control logic of the F eighteen to make it a lot easier. Uh, it used to be, you know, all manual. Now you have some some help with computer stuff and. But it's it is always hard landing on the boat. What was your? Do you remember your first one? Yeah, it's uh, pretty cool. So, uh, when you graduate from primary flight school in the T six, which is a single mm-hmm. inch propeller plane, um, it's still super high performance. I think it had like eleven hundred horsepower. It was great. It was yeah, it was fun. 
make no mistake that was a cool plane but yeah. then you move on to the t-45 which is uh they call it the goshawk uh-huh. it's a single engine jet um and then the navy teaches you to to just fly it then you learn to fight it so air to ground air to basic air to air stuff and then you go land on the boat and to land on the boat takes you know about two or three dozen um, what we call fclps field carrier landing practice you go basically like pretend to land on the boat on the field over and over and over and over. What do you mean on the field? Like so you're pretend like on land? Yep. Okay. On a a runway, they paint the deck of the carrier, which is really tiny. Right on just like a small strip of it. And then you just fly um, what's called the iFloss lens, the improved Fresnel optical landing system. It's the the meatball, the legendary meatball. You fly. It helps you with your your glide slope. Um, And you do that over and over and over again. Then you go to the boat for the first time solo in an aircraft yeah so yeah. the very first time i ever landed on a boat solo the very first time i was in the shoot i got waved off i was just so screwed up but then i came around and landed and it's one of those things where it's just like you're on stem cell muscle memory like i did this so many times at the field it's the same sight picture except there's a tiny little boat and make no mistake yours yeah. when you're landing on them look tiny puckers up your butthole a lot doesn't oh it? oh my gosh yeah so i yeah i have a video i can show you sometime of just a gopro of a night landing and you're like there's a dot in this black frame and then like the last like 15 seconds it just like grows to be a ship and then you crash into it and you're there wow yeah and so you basically you fly this thing down and when you trap it's pretty violent um and you're going like 100 and i can't remember what the t45 was but trap the, is when the rubber band essentially catches you yeah it looks like a rubber band yeah. it's a it's quote a unquote rubber band four inch steel wire <laughs> Yeah, with giant steam pneumatic brakes. That tra- but uh, you go from like 150 to nothing in like a second. Right? Wow. Like the first few times you do it, you have like marks in your shoulders from the straps. Like when you hit it, it's fairly jarring. I mean, landing in a regular plane in the airport is jarring. Oh, yeah. The other thing that people don't realize is, you know how... Uh, when a pilot lands in an airline, they come down, you feel the jet sink, and then they kind of flatten out, and then they try and like touch down softly. Mm-hmm. In a when you land on the ship, there is no that's called a flare. There is no flare. It's you fly at that same rate of descent until you touch the ground. It's like seven to eight hundred feet per minute rate of descent. And when Jeez. you hit, it hurt. It's like it's hard. Um, but they build those aircraft to have really strong landing gear, so you hit and it absorbs the shock. But it's still jarring, like and. Night traps, even with the new, like they called it precision landing modes as a new flight control mm-hmm. logic, still terrifying. Uh, like I, I would, after landing, taxiing clear the landing area, my feet would always shake on the rudder pedals, just adrenaline and fear. Wow. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think I only had 90 something night traps, but man, it was not, it was never fun. How do you come down from that? It's not easy. Like you're, uh, yeah, <laughs> like you, you kind of lose the adrenaline after a while. I never lost the fear of night traps because your uh-huh. life is, I mean, you feel like you're going to die. You land on this dot and it just grows to be a ship at the last second. Um, but you, the other thing is, is once you land, like, so on an F-18, the nose landing gear turns, right? Yeah. It, the actual pedestal is like a foot behind your butt. So you're in front of the nose landing gear and you need to park up on the bow of the ship at night. And there's, you know... Some like twenty year old kid taxing you with a couple yellow lights, wands, right? And you all you can see those those wands, and you can't see in front of you because it's just black, right? It's ocean, it's nothing out there. 
So you have to like taxi up to the edge of the ship and then turn your nose over it. Most sometimes you're over the water as this 20 year old kid is telling you like, yeah, keep going. I got you. And that right there is almost as bad as the night trap. Parking Jeez, the jet I'm the... freaking out. You telling me this. Yeah. And, oh, wow. But like testament to my brothers in the Navy, they like once you, we do a good job of making it a profession. Like uh-huh. We are professionals at what we do and there's procedure and there's mitigations for risk in every step of this process and everyone's there with the same mission. You're on the same team, want to safely get aircraft aboard. So it becomes this, this process that you know so well that you could do it, you know, on stem cells. Like your core knows how to do it. Yeah. I get what you're saying. So it, um, and there's just nothing that compares to landing on a ship and it taking off the cash shot is the best part. Right. And it's, zero to like 170 in like under three seconds I mean, it's really fun just shooting Shoot off you that right ship. off the front of the ship man yeah i i still i man so, so you're turning i'm just so you, you pull up to the, the edge of the ship and you turn the plane around and you're just you're right trusting there. that that guy yep <clears throat> man it's one of the hardest things you gotta do is just implicitly trust this other human right there but he has, you can't see much from the cockpit on the ship, right? But he's seeing more but than you can. He sees everything. Yeah. But you're like, I have no idea where I am, how close I am to that edge. And he's telling me to keep going forward. At what point do I start turning? You know, there's always that tendency to like start. But they know that. And they, they there's a lot of responsibility put on them. They're trained well. Um, and they, honestly, their job is just as hard as ours. Walking around the flight deck at night with moving aircraft is more dangerous than landing on the ship. Sure, I yeah. bet. You get blown over, you know, you get hit with a wire, like there's a gajillion things that could happen and you could get blown over and no one would know about it. Right? Like talk about terrifying. I mean they they have beacons and stuff. Oh, they have stuff that you okay. Yeah, but I mean you got to hope that works. Oh, Man. by the way, it takes a long time to pull someone out of the water. They're going to be there for a while. They're going to be there for a while. You still got to recover all the aircraft, right? You can't like they can't go divert somewhere if you're in the middle of the ocean. Still got to recover them, and then you got to get a helicopter over there to pick them up. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a pretty cool process. I, I had a good time doing it. Um, it's just, it's so much time away from your family. And Was that you, the reason why you're out of it? Yeah. And there's a lot of reasons. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to get into the, the okay. politics of the Navy, but like right now, it's like just morale is low. It's been like that for years. Huh. And you're seeing it in like retention numbers, and arguably, you think people flying fighter jets would stick around but like it's really hard on your family all of the bs that comes with flying is really hard it's it just wears on your soul and the culture in the navy unfortunately is they they just don't take care of their people as well as they should Mm. um like the the human welfare is always the second and afterthought and that was a big piece of it but the biggest piece of it is I, i just can't be away from my family like that I get that a lot of time away. People don't realize for a de- so a deployment, they usually schedule them for six months, but they're always they're always extended. I mean, one of my buddies got this extended during COVID. I think it was over twelve months, and like they had like one poor call. It was wow. terrible. Yeah, just stuck on a ship for a year. Stuck on a ship for a year, and then working up to the deployment, mm-hmm. you're probably away on the ship four to six months of the previous year. And then you're in like Fallon or another place you're doing, you know, training at for like another two to three months. So in like a two to three year tour, depending on your rotation, 
you're probably gone for a half to two thirds of that time. Wow. Yeah, that's hard. And only like a quarter of that or less is the deployment itself. So that's hard. Yeah. Right. Now, I love being an instructor and flying here. In fact, that's one of the things I want to talk to you about is someday I hope to go back to college and do my doctorate and something and become a professor. I think it'd be really cool to do that. But Yeah. I just enjoy teaching so much. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, you know, living here um, versus, you know, in Georgia, you get to see, you know, you see the impacts of being in the military. Yeah. It's it's a lot more, um, I mean, you know it's a lot, but you see it firsthand, and it's like, geez, this is a lot. Yeah, it ruins yeah. a lot of families. Mm-hmm. I, I have a number of friends that are corpsmen. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, so you got out. How long have you been out? About three years. Okay. Yeah. That's another hard thing to do is get out. Really? They make it hard to get in and really hard to get out. Man. Why? Right now. So there's like the bureaucratic process. Uh Like the Navy does not invest in like the facilities and people to help people get out. Mm -hmm. You know, the VA does a pretty good job, but like, there was when I got out. It was just at the start of COVID. Like there was like two people that could process my paperwork, and it was like pulling teeth to get them to do anything for me. Jeez. It was terrible. It, I mean, it was really hard to get out. And so, then the transition to uh-huh. like finding a job and everything. I, I'm unique in that I, I didn't. Being six four, like I have no desire to fly airlines. I hate being in cattle class. Like everything about the airport just it's not fun to me. So no, oh, yeah, no. Mm-hmm. But it is a very. I have a lot of friends that do it. It's a great career, and they make great money and they're home a lot you know they're gone for most holidays for the first few years but i mean other than that it's a pretty good life but i wanted to be what really set me apart was i just wanted to be fulfilled Mm -hmm. and to find a career of my own doing something that is meaningful and it took a while to find that frankly Mm -hmm. Um, it was was not an easy transition so when you get out you just is it like is there a window like let's say you're coming up on your last year. You like, I have until August to say, I want to get out kind of thing. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of things. It's different for the enlisted than it uh-huh. is the officers because they generally sign shorter term contracts. Oh, you were officer. Yeah. Oh wow. So when you're an officer, you sign like for a pilot, it's an eight year contract after you get your wings, eight years. Jeez. Oh, the Navy after, and that's after two years of training. So it's really 10 years. And as you know, you retire at 20 with a pension yeah so right about that time they're talking about your next job being something in leadership they're talking about hitting you with a big bonus and like they're really enticing you to stay um and so you have to tell them a year out before they start to billet you into your next role and if you don't they can basically like hamstring you to stay in the navy like legally do it's insane and it's happened to numerous friends of mine um, but they can they can do some like legal wizardry and keep you in, sort of against your will. Wow, scary, right? Yeah. So, anyways, you tell them you, you put your don't pick me letter, don't pick me for department head tour, um, and then they basically like slay you nowadays because retention is so low. They'll put you in a like another flying job that's deployable for the last year. Jeez, it's really bad. I was very lucky, so I. In flight school, I had some medical issues. Turned out to be nothing, but like I was med down for like six months. And then I was, you remember Sequester in like 20, 
2013, I think that was, when like the government shut down and didn't fund. Well, that stopped flying for like a year. So I basically like sat in the training squadron for like an extra year doing nothing. So oh, wow. Just studying every day. It was really boring. Um, but that drove me to a timeline where I didn't have to do this like last minute deployment right before I got out. So I had like the best case scenario happen to me where I was like an instructor. I was gr- my squadron commander was great. He said, Hey, like, I know you're, you you want to get out, go like start working job opportunities. And so I went and got my MBA while I was still instructing and it was hard work work. I bought off doing it between homework and flying, but it, it was awesome. I checked that block. And then the last uh, few months I was able to burn some leave and do a couple of very short internships. Um, and so th- that helped, but wow. And it's really hard to get out of the Navy for most people. Like I, I'm telling you, I have friends that have had to like hire attorneys because the Navy tried to pull some loophole that, you know, we moved you for your last year. Therefore you owe us two years after that. Like what? Oh gosh. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. We have, a, I have a friend of mine. I think he's getting out soon, but he's getting his PA uh, physical physician's assistant yeah. degree right now. I don't know how, you know, how you guys would do it <laughs> going to college and be doing your jobs that's bananas just a lot of time yeah fortunately my kids were really young so i didn't yeah <clears throat> like those were the the 2 a.m still awake days oh for the most of that wow and so like i was like well i'm just gonna get this, sit this kid on my lap put a bottle in its mouth and type on a keyboard you know write a paper and <laughs> it worked pretty well that's awesome i remember when the kid was like I think it was Cece, my second kid, when I was doing the MBA. So Molly was like two or three. She was just born. And I remember like dictating on my phone, like a paper I had to write. And the kid in my arm, like middle of the night, I was just in the other room like, well, you're not asleep. I'm not asleep. I might as well talk. So I was like dictating the paper on my iPhone to Siri, (laughs) writing it for me. Uh, That's awesome. (laughs) The things we do as parents, like you learn to do with with the kid. (laughs) <laughs> That's right. You have to just push through and figure it out. Yeah. Um, so tell me about your dad. My dad. Or before you tell me, so your mom passed when you were six. How'd she pass? Car accident. Yeah. Drunk, oh. drunk driver hit her. It was, uh, you know, it, it was obviously terrible at yeah. the time. But I think I grew up stronger for it. So, it, again, I view it as God had a plan. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't know if I would have been as adventurous or like, I probably would have remained like very timid uh-huh. and shy and kind of forced me out of my bubble. If you don't mind me asking, I, I think about this a couple times, um, you know, with my dad passing and, you know, having all these memories. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have many memories? Not many. I mean, I was six. So I have a few, you know, most of it was like sitting on our lap, watching TV, trying to fall asleep or uh-huh. like, you know, for some reason, the memories that stuck in my mind were like, she got really stressed in the holidays. Uh-huh. And I just remember her being stressed out about that. And I remember riding in like this crappy old van that we had. Like, yeah. And just, we lived in California in a spot that was incredibly hot. I remember getting in there and like, it was probably like 150 in that stinking mm-hmm. van. And like my skin was like sticking to a plastic car seat. Like very few memories, but all from very young age yeah someone was telling me they remember a smell oh yeah i I do too that van like Uh there was something about that it just smelled like melted crayons and boogers you know but you just remember that yeah yeah Yeah. 
they the smell is it's really funny how smell can transport you back to yeah that it stuff. is yeah it gets me it gets uh-huh. me every time i go you ever been on the wisconsin over there in norfolk the battleship uh-huh oh that smell yeah every ship smells like that even like brand new nuclear powered carriers it smells like grease bo and boogers like i don't know oh, man like misery i don't know (laughs) i was telling someone i was at a taco bell for the first time in years um and the smell of the inside of the taco bell took me back to to childhood yes i love taco bell yeah it's like guilty pleasure of mine it's it's the one like i i wanted to have it because i was listening to a podcast and they were talking about bean and cheese burritos and i'm trying to be you know for the last you know decade or so like really intentional about food choices and here i am at a taco bell and i was like okay i had it i got it out of my system and then i was like i'm gonna just buy a bunch of stuff and try to make these at home anyway so yeah i digress (laughs) so yeah your dad talk tell me about him what was he like oh man he's uh growing up he was awesome he was like my rock my role model Mm -hmm. from a young age he took me out to the end of the runway and we watched fighter jets land when i was like probably 10 and Uh that i got me they got me hook line and sinker right that was from that moment on i wanted to be a fighter pilot um and you know he went through a really hard thing with the death of my mother Mm -hmm. and then uh remarried to a woman that ended up she ended up being bipolar like and it was like really bad i felt bad for him you know and he really transformed in that period to embracing the church and Mm -hmm. like going all in on the church that's when it like happened and it it was hard for him Uh, yeah he worked through it he was a single father and he was he owned a business like an entrepreneur like he's literally my hero did all the things that i want to accomplish in my life um and he pulled it off somehow it was incredible i don't know how i don't know if i could have but yeah he did and Got us both into college and ended up remarrying a, a lady, and she's awesome. And yeah, um, he to this day is he he's gotten very hardcore in his belief, and I don't know I don't know what has caused that to the point where I don't see eye to eye on some of the things mm-hmm. anymore. How old is he? Oh gosh, was he? He's got to be almost seventy now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, mean, I think he had me a little later in life too. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have a brother. You have a brother, a sister. Oh, a sister. Mm-hmm. Okay, one sister. She's awesome. Mm-hmm. She's, she's an incredible entrepreneur. Just had twins. <sighs> she's bro- a beast. Like this woman is, man. She, she's tough. Dude, the fact of twins is what kept us from trying for another kid because twins runs a lot in both of our families. Oh boy. And we did not want to take that gamble, because uh, my brothers are twins. I have two younger brothers that are twins. Yeah. And uh, oh my gosh, nope. Yeah, they they have you know my sister and her husband they're they're very I love them to death. They're like mm-hmm. my sisters. She's one of my heroes. I, she runs she owns her own uh, kids clothing store. Um, it's called Minnows in Park City, Utah. And there's two two locations now. Mm-hmm. She owns it and stood it up, like got the profitability. Is doing great with it. That's awesome. While being a mother, uh, and now a mother of twins, and Mike's a very successful real estate agent. Like he, that guy could sell ketchup popsicles to women in white gloves. Right? Like wow. he's he's just like a great salesman and super awesome guy. And he he like no, he's like I, 
like, I got to admit, like, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to spend all of this time with these two kids. So he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to put out at work and then hire a night nurse. And he did that. And like, holy cow, that is a game changer for them. What's a night nurse? It's literally a lady you pay to stay up with the babies that don't sleep at night for a few days a week. It's insanely expensive, but like he crushed it. He just like put out, worked tirelessly that while she was pregnant, and like saved up a bunch of money and then hired a night nurse. Jeez. And Megan was like, it is a game changer. Like just getting like a, not even because, you know, she has to get up and pump and everything. Like, she, Megan is a machine, but like that. that is so it's just someone to work nights and just someone hang out, with, hang out with the kids. Yeah. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. And the two twin boys. So she's going to have her hands full. Yeah, she will. 10 years. She will have her hands full. Yep. Crew and Colton, adorable little suckers. I was uh-huh. just out there to see them. It was, it was great. Man, I mean, they must be doing well. They live in Park City, Utah. I mean, that's a yeah, that's a resort town, right? Too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, that's Mike's just selling houses there. Wow. Yeah, and and fortunately, like the ultra wealthy that buy those houses, they buy them whether there's a recession or not, and pay cash. So like, he's got he's got them. He's brilliant. He's got a great market, a great job. Like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm glad he married my sister. He's a good dude. That's awesome. So, like, with your dad, is there anything that he did or does that you do in when you're parenting? Have you noticed anything yet? Uh, I mean, obviously, a lot of mannerisms. It's one of those things that drives me nuts because, like, I don't want to have the same mannerisms, but I do yeah. at mm-hmm. the same time. But I think some of his values have bled onto me, right? Like, mm-hmm. he put Megan and I, my sister and I, first in everything he did. And, like, it was always like that. Like, he wasn't... He ran a very successful business and was not one to like push us off to go and do work. Like he would stop in the middle of like meetings and come be with us if we needed him or or just wanted to see him or something. Like it was, he always put us first. It was really cool, and that I think really rubbed off on me. So I I attempt to do everything I can with my kids. Mm -hmm. There's a school function. I'll do everything I can to be with them, be there, like. I want to teach him myself. I want to have those hard talks, you know, not looking forward to him, but did it, was he there for the hard talks too? Yeah. You know, he never really did the, you know, the birds and the bees or anything like that, but lucky. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) It was, uh, you know, he kind of let public school do that and you know, whatever he, he definitely did. Like he, he had some really cool things. Like I remember I was in like probably 11th grade, 10th grade and I was like doing wrestling at the same time of playing football. Like I was just swamped and super like pumped full of testosterone and like protein shakes. I mean, dude, I was like hardcore back then. And I like came home and just was like angry about something and just like punched a hole in the wall. I just remember him like coming out of his office with his headset on. And like poked his head and like saw me like walk storm into my room and like the hole in the wall. And I just like, I was in my room just fuming and I just hear him like walk down the hall and I hear like some wrestling and like a knock, knock, knock. And I was like, what the heck? And I go, I opened the door and he had like, while on the phone, talking on a business call, like pounded a nail and just hung a picture of it. This stupid <laughs> little picture of Hawaii over this punched hole in the wall. I just remember that being like, oh, that was pretty cool. Like instead of talking to you, instead of yelling, instead of doing anything, he's just like, you know what? Let's just uh, yep. never brought that up. We'll let this one go today. 
yeah that was pretty cool the other thing that was pretty cool he did was uh that was really dumb you know i was like you know <laughs> went out with a bunch of buddies football buddies one night and we had the grand idea to go like egg cars as they mm-hmm. drove by and like we <laughs> We hit a, a truck full of off-duty cops with a bunch of eggs, and obviously they ran us down and caught us. Yes. <laughs> like, somehow got our my dad's number and, like, called home. And I was, like, I had just walked in the door, and I was, like, I was a pretty, like, straightforward kid. I was going to walk up and tell my dad, like, oh, Dad, I'm kind of got in trouble here. So I, like, walk in the room, and he's on the phone with these cops. And he's, like, uh-huh. He did what? Oh, okay, yeah. Well, I'm sorry. Is there anything I can do to help? Oh, okay, gotcha. Have a nice night, you know. And he turns around and goes, "Is it something like? You think that was smart?" <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, All right, you're "Grounded for like like next month, obviously." He's like, "Go away, like, go be in your room." And, and just like, he was so chill about it. Like, he obviously yeah. like came down on me, but he's like, "You learned your lesson. That was incredibly stupid. Like, don't do that again." God. Of all the people you could have egged, all the cars you egged a cop car. And then, like, he also, when I was in, it's like, seventh grade, I snuck out one night. And I had, like, my room was unique. We had, it was when my dad was remarried and, and had, like, a big family. And I was in, like, this random room with a sliding glass door and a balcony that, like, walked off into the like the road. It was really a weird house, but it was awesome. So I was like, well, I got to capitalize on this. So I, I snuck out one night, in, like, seventh and eighth grade, and me and a bunch of buddies met up. And, like, we had one mike's hard lemonade oh you oh, rebels yeah. oh yeah it was man i read like four sips and i was hammered you know yeah and i came back and i was like oh sweet he didn't catch me and i like lay down in bed and like go to lay down on just right on top of him really <laughs> hey Listen. nick welcome back where you been <laughs> oh. oh my <laughs> gosh he, he, i remember this part very distinctly he said, nick like i get it you gotta sneak out sometimes he's like but do me a favor just tell me before you do it's <laughs> like i I won't say anything. Just tell me before you do. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, our um, our kid has his his where he sleeps is our old master bedroom, and uh, it has a sliding glass door onto a porch. And I'm just like, we've got to get rid of that in the next few years. <laughs> we have got to make it somewhat yeah. difficult for our kid to oh yeah, you gotta to you get out. It. Yeah, he can't. He cannot have it that easy. Yeah. <laughs> to just like Dude. crawl out onto a porch, climb down, and he's gone. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's not okay. You yeah, know? this is a really cool house, though. Yeah, it's in such a cool location. Too. God, your dad was in your bed. Yeah, it was pretty funny. That's awesome. But yeah, like that was always my thing. Is he always everything he did was intentional to put Megan and I first, and I try to to live like that with my kids as much mm-hmm. as I can. It's not easy sometimes, but sure. I think, uh, balancing that with your own like objectives, selfish objectives, career or you know, accomplishments, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, it's really hard. And it's got to be hard because I mean you're not close to your job. No, I mean, you know, it's not bad. I I am very fortunate. So I work as a, a contractor for the Air Force, and I have to commute over a bridge. And without traffic, it's like forty five minutes. But about once every two weeks, it's a two hour drive because the traffic on that tunnel. Uh huh. It's just the worst. Oh, I forget where you go. It's not that. It's not that far. I no, was... and and you know what? Like, every time I go to a big city, I really people commute like an hour, pretty normally. Yeah, when I was in uh, Georgia, my first student teaching job was an hour and fifteen minutes from my uh, my town home. Yeah. Not fun. 
not fun. I listen to a lot of podcasts and audiobooks. I've been trying to. I love listening to like fiction audiobooks, but lately I've been trying to listen to like great novels. So I've been knocking out a lot of famous novels, and I'm on Ayn Rand. You ever read her books? Oh, geez, you're you're going they're, deep. They're deep. Right? I, I, I bet they are. I read Jeez. The Fountainhead. I'm on Atlas Shrugged now. That one's a lot, a lot deeper. But it's, I mean, it's entertaining. I mean, I love to read, and that's even like, I don't know if I'm ready to tackle that. Yeah, it's a hard one. I had like a high school girlfriend that loved her novels. And mm-hmm. It was always like, you will love these. And I never read them until I was like 35. Yeah, I mean. Started I'm... them this year and was just, oh, these are actually pretty good. This woman had, I mean, she wrote these in like the 50s. And she's had some pretty like novel ideas, like themes. I feel like I could listen to it more than read it. That's probably where I'm at. It's a tough one to listen to, too. It's really? just so long. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm, I'm listening to the Silmarillion. Oh, really? Yeah. I just listened to the Lord of the Rings before this. Yeah, that's what I'm That's what I'm into because I, I'm yeah. I'm just geeking out on all that stuff. I've, I've recently got into the Nerd of the Rings on uh, YouTube. Oh. It's uh, this guy who goes through all the, um, the, just the side stories. Yeah. And all of this, and I'm just constantly just like this, the this guy, <laughs> yeah, right, this guy, no, that wrote, I mean, Tolkien just wrote so, I mean, this was, it's so expansive. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm always, I'm always amazed. Me too. Like, how did By that his guy, writing. He must have done so many drugs. How did he come up no, with that? He didn't do many drugs. That just blows my mind. Him and it's fun to think about, like, because back in the day, him and C.S. Lewis used to just hang out together. Yeah. And C.S. Lewis wrote you know, the Narnia books. I mean, they're my favorite books as a kid. And it's just like those guys just hanging out, just talking about these things yeah. and what they became, you know? Yeah. Whenever people tell me about how great Game of Thrones is, I'm always like, uh, it's nowhere near as good as the Lord of the it's Rings. It's not for me. I've, 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 I gave up on Game of Thrones. I've been very like, I, I saw it to the end because I had watched so much of it, and I tried to read the books, and it just, it never hooked me like the Lord of the Rings hooked me. Me either. Yeah, I watched the movies or the HBO shows too, but I tried reading the books and I didn't get into it. Yeah, I tried to watch the House of Dragons. And the House of Dragons came on the same time as Rings of Power came on, which is the prequel to oh, all. Of... I haven't watched that yet. Yeah, I, I would, I, I would recommend watching that. I thought that how they did it was really cool. It had kind of the tone that I was looking for. I mean, some people, I mean, there's always critics about it, but I just really enjoyed seeing where everything came from. Yeah. And oh. But what I loved about it, because like in Game of Thrones, the biggest thing for me is there is no, I rarely ever feel like there's some good person that I can attach myself to. It's always just people trying to get the throne, right? Yeah. But then with the Lord of the Rings, you have a good, you have like a good guy. Mm -hmm. You have a protagonist and then you have people that you can like see as like quote unquote good and you can like follow that storyline and see see where they're going with it and trust where they're going with it and stuff like that and so yeah i was watching the house of dragons and it was the first episode and i was like man this is intense and i'm i'm like an episode in and i really don't like anybody 
And then at the same time, rings of power come out and then I'm watching it and I'm like, okay, yep, this is, this is what I need. So I'm good. I'm going to watch that. That's cool. I'll I'll check it out. The, uh, do you like sci-fi? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So have you read Andy Weir's books? He's the guy who wrote the Martian. Yeah. Mm -mm, Haven't read him. Should I check him out? Oh man. He's my new favorite author. So I, the Martian was really good, but yeah, like, I listened to it. I think the audiobook was better than the book. Mm-hmm. I did. I read half the book and then mm-hmm. did the audiobook because I was commuting. But the voices in the audiobook are really good. So highly recommend that one. And then my new favorite book of all time is Project Hail Mary. He just oh. wrote that one. It is so good. The audiobook is killer. I'll it's, look into it. Yeah, it's the voice of uh, the guy from Finding Nemo of Marlin. It's pretty good. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah I got really into the Expanse series. Oh, I haven't read that one yet. Yeah, it's the guy. They did a sci-fi show, but there's nine books. Um, oh. Yeah, it's about. It's basically about. Um, oh my gosh! I mean, it's it's like Earth, Mars, and the asteroid belt, and people living in there and just trying to exist and the politics of all of that. Interesting. Uh, they did a sci-fi uh, series for it, and it was canceled. But it was pretty funny because Jeff Bezos loved it so much that he bought the rights and put it on Amazon Prime. <laughs> so like the last two or three seasons is on Amazon Prime. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Good for him. Um, I like see when it when it for me what gets me going in books is if I know there's like more than one because mm-hmm. I love to like immerse myself yeah, I'm in it. So, um, like, that's why I read all the Orson Scott card books. Have you read those? No. The Ender's Games? Oh, oh yes. Uh, never. No, I know what you're talking about. I've never read them. Oh, my gosh. I've read, there's 15, 15 or 20 books in the Ender's Game universe. And you just, uh, it was it was great. It keeps popping up on my, my Audible mm-hmm. list. Um, yeah. Because I read uh, Ready Player One, mm-hmm. which was also really good. Yeah, I like that one. Ready Player Two is fine. Yeah, it wasn't as good, but it was. It was good. He also wrote a book called Armada that you should check out too. Yeah, I've seen that. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Um, I liked it. It's fun. It's not like it's more like uh, soda pop and bubble gum kind of stuff, but it's still yeah. it's fun to read. His books are very nostalgic, mm-hmm. and that's kind of where he's tugging on on your heartstrings with that one. Yeah, I'll check that out. Yeah, have you read uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Yes, of course. That one to this day one of my favorites. It's my just favorite, so goofy. and that's one of my favorite um, books to movies that's been made. Yeah, because I've actually seen the movie. Oh my god, Sam Rockwell <laughs> plays the president. Yeah, in it, and uh, what's his name? Um, oh my god, I'm gonna most deaf. The rapper is in it, and it's like it. It it's, jeez, man. Yeah, check it out. Like. It, uh, it, I think it captured a lot of the tone yeah. of the book that I was re- I, I enjoyed it immensely. I think you should. Yeah. Yeah. We could talk about books. I could talk about books all day. I mean, I've got <laughs> hundreds of books, but we, should, <laughs> we yeah. should. So, like, what's been the funniest thing about parenting oh, so far? I, the funniest thing. Mm hmm. There's so much that's funny with these little kids. The stuff they say is mm-hmm. just ridiculous. I'm trying to think of some good examples. I think what's really funny is like their infatuation with uh, feces and farts. <laughs> um, you could just like, they could be so pissed and just miserable. And then you just say like, poo poo farty butt. And they'll just like snap out of it yep. and start cracking up. 
That's a, that's always great. And it's a double-edged sword because then you say that and then they don't stop saying it for the next two hours. It's good to hear. I thought it was a boy thing. Oh no, uh, girls are just as much. They yeah. think it's they think farting is hilarious. Uh huh. So, uh, and I always blame it on the cat, and they they think that's hilarious. Really? Oh yeah. <laughs> the cat. Who brought snugs? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. What else is funny? The She's in. She's five, and so she, every once in a while, she says some things that are just like so ridiculous. She said hamburger the other day, and I about lost it. Hamburger, hamburger. Yeah. yeah, man. The things I love, just yeah, I love how they're figuring out words. Yeah. At these ages, and how they're trying to use the words and and all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Have they cussed yet? Around Molly you? has a couple times. Yeah. Much. She's so smart. She learns really quick when I'm like, please don't say that. Okay. And then never says it again. Man, yeah. And I still can't stop cussing. You know, maybe it's the sailor in me, but like, it's hard. My kid has cussed in school. Oh. And that was fun. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. But, was it uh, a friend's school? Or? Yeah, it was. They He uh, he said, walk down the hall and talk to your dad. No, this was I. This was this year when I wasn't there. Oh, okay. But... Um, his teachers knew me, so they weren't so surprised. Um, <laughs> they've heard me. Yeah. But he, he said the F word. Ooh. And uh, what was so funny about it is because when he said it, it was more of a surprise. He said, what in the fucking world? Or something like that. And then all of a sudden, the kids were like, he said that. You can't say that. And so what the teachers told me at the conference was that what happened ended up was that the entire class was saying it. So it was. It just became this thing. Like Jasper said it, and da, 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 they all said it. Blah 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 blah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So anyway, oh, that's yeah. been the funniest thing for me is just listening to him, <laughs> listening to him cuss. And we talk about it when you can't say that at school. Yeah. So anyway, I also love watching like the magic of Christmas. And really, like, bleeding in Santa, and they just like love that. Uh huh. And. and Molly's so smart. She's like kind of figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think she has it truly licked yet, but she keeps asking these like really hard questions. Well, if Santa knows everything, then why do I need to write him a letter? Like, <laughs> he already knows what I want. Mm-hmm. Or like, God, I love. <laughs> how come I saw Santa at the store the other day? Like, what? Why was he shopping? He has elves. You guys oh. do the elf on the shelf? No. Yeah, we don't either. I don't, that, it's too much work. That's, yeah, my wife said, heck no. If it, yeah, I, I wanted to do it, but she didn't want to have to do the work. And I travel a lot for work, so. Yeah, I, um, they used to do it at the school, and I would take the, the other classes' elves and say that, like, someone was holding them hostage. And there'd be, like, a note in the class or something, so, Yeah. <laughs> That's I like to fun. take things weird when it comes to like the Christmas traditions. Yeah, I remember Molly came back. She's like, oh, "Mr. C's favorite music is metal." Like, you yep. know what? You know what metal is? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he played some for us. Yeah, I used to. Yeah, I used to play a lot of. Uh, <laughs> well, some of my socks were bands. Yeah. And so when I would play, always... when I would see, when I would show the socks, they would, uh, <laughs> they would want to know what the band was, and so then I would play the music. <laughs> yeah, my, yeah, the kids loved you. I used to, my favorite thing was I would always be like, all right, guys, you know, we're going to do some, you know, work on some stuff, 
I'm going to put on some quiet music and I just want you to just kind of like relax and chill. And then I would think about what's the heaviest thing that I could like play. And I would just turn my Bluetooth speaker all the way up and just blast it. And the kids would just, it would always, just, it always had the reaction that I wanted. And there would be some kids that would just be like working, like nothing's happening. And there's other kids just looking like, what is He's wrong happening. with this guy? Mm-hmm. That's probably Molly. Well, I did it in, you know, this is going to be incredible conversation, but I used to do it in her class because of that was just those kids' personalities. Yeah. That I could do stuff like that and they would just be like, all right, whatever. This is just another day in, in you know, in class. Yeah. You know, this guy who's our teacher is going to do weird things and we're just going <laughs> to. Well, they love that about you, I yeah. think. I appreciate I, that. Yeah. Out of the ordinary and you were very personable. And Molly mm-hmm. to this day was, you know, she loves math because of you. So Stop good. it. Yeah. You know, that was, you know, that it took me um, five semesters to get out of one math class in college. Really? Math was the worst subject of my entire life. <laughs> and then you taught it. <laughs> I know. I, and I think that you talk about, you know, God intervening yeah. or divine intervention, all of that. I think that was one of the reasons why I was able to connect with kids and to show them that math isn't a scary monster. Yeah. That's yeah, good. I grew up hating it. Yeah, I, I, I was um, I was almost suspended for college for three years because I couldn't get out of the math class. What? Yeah, I got I got oh, to man. school. So I got to school on the first day of this semester, whatever. I get to my first class in the morning, and I'm not on the roll. And I was like, I'm, you didn't call me. She's like, okay, well, you need to go here. And so... I went somewhere to talk, and they're like, well, you need to go here. And like four hours later of lines, they're like, oh, yeah, um, you were in learning support, because that's what I was in learning support math class, and you didn't get the grade that you were supposed to, so you've been suspended for three years. And I was like, what? I've been, sus- I've been suspended for three years? And, they were, and I was like, nobody's told me that. And they were like, okay. So then they, they pulled some strings. And so then I was only able to take that one class for that one semester. It was basically like an audit. Not really an audit. I just, I had to pass it. And if I didn't pass it. it, that was it. So, but here wow. I am. And you taught math. And I taught math. That's good. You did a heck of a job. Yeah, I appreciate that. Man, so. see, I was, math was always my strongest subject. Well, math is one of those subjects where like a lot of people struggle teaching it because they don't understand why other people don't get it. Yeah. And so for me, I think I figured I, my observation was because I knew that not many people got it, that I could kind of help them work through it, that I didn't make these people feel crazy. So that makes sense. It's good you identify with them. Yeah. I know. I, I mean, I've watched when the kids would cry over math problems. I'd be like, yeah, I've been there. Yeah. yeah. I did that as an adult. I know. <laughs> Can you imagine being in your 20s and scared to go to school? Yeah. yeah. So yep. let's let's try not to get that going now. So it's going to be okay. You'll figure it out, kid. <laughs> did, you, did you get a degree in math or what was the? No, my degree was in early childhood education. Oh, good. I just happened to. They had a job opening for this, and when you when you get an early childhood early childhood education degree, you're basically certified in every subject up to a certain level. Cool. Yeah. So like, I could teach math to fifth graders and below. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's the 
the part where it really clicks with them. Yeah. I like that. Molly's like, I've been working with her and she's so smart. Mm -hmm. Like their ability to retain information is insane. Like that's the one thing that has impressed me most about Norfolk Christian is, man, these kids will memorize like in almost an entire book of scripture. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. And like Molly's recites it without any effort. Yeah, that's, you should, that's why there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of people who um, start teaching kids languages this early. I wish I had something to teach them like that. I teach, you know, I got Molly through multiplication and she knows up to nine by nine. Wow. Yeah. She loved it. I'd, I'd entice her with points. The app I wrote. It's, oh, yeah. It's about, it's just super simple app. Just give your kid a point and the point is worth 25 cents. Those kids are a little capitalists now, man. Yeah, so tell me about this app that you wrote. Yes, I'm, I write creating. apps for fun. It's kind of like my hobby. I've always been like one that kind of got hooked on video games. Uh -huh. As an adult, I channeled that into learning to code, and it, it scratches the itch. So I wrote uh, the only app that's on the App Store right now is it's called Kitty Bank. It's a dollar. Super basic. Literally just keeps track of points for your kids, and you, you can sync it across you, your phone and your wife's phone. Mm -hmm. So that, like I give a point and it shows up on her phone as well. And it's nice because then I could say, hey, Molly, if I ask you to do something, if you say yes, sir, and do it, you get a point. And if you don't, you lose a point. And now like they they behave a lot better. And grandma sends them 20 bucks in the mail or whatever. I say, okay, you put it in your daddy bank. I'll put it in my wallet and I'll add it to your account. So does it link to your bank? Nope. Just you put it in your wallet and then you have the number. It just keeps track of the number. So, Kitty, it's called Kitty Bank? Yeah, Kitty Bank. That's cool. Yeah, and then uh, I, I actually what's fun about it is, you know, I wrote it just to learn about how to put an app on the App Store, and it's a real pain in the butt. There's a lot that goes into it. Mm -hmm. um, and then, like, the other day, I used Google as my back-end servers. Um, one of the Google servers was down, and I had, like, a random person reach out to me who found the app, like, on the App Store. Like, not you, one of my friends. I was like, you, what? So I was like going back and forth with this lady. It's like, how did you find this? She's like, I don't know. I just searched and you popped up. You looked good. I was like, that's so cool. I've sold like 30 copies. So It's such a cool thing. Like when the first person that is not a friend yeah. that like reaches out, like I, I did this on the podcast too. And this one person like found me yeah, and was like, hey, I'd like to be on the podcast. It's just this author, this random author. That's cool. Yeah. That's a good feeling, isn't it? Yeah. So that was pretty cool. I'm working on another one that uh, it's called In Touch AI. Uh, uh -huh. Not the greatest name. I'm trying to figure out a better one, but they were all taken. And what it is is like you import your contacts from your contact library, and then you can add dates for special things like birthdays, anniversaries, or just like a periodic check-in with them. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it notifies you on the day of that event. And then it drafts five messages for you using uh, ChatGPT style AI. And it tailors based on your relationship with them. So if I added you, I'd say like, used to be a teacher, is currently a podcaster, you know, and if, I, if it was your birthday, I'd put in your day. And then it would tailor a message I could put. I want it funny and I want it short. And I want to use emojis and I want to use um, historical references or cultural references. Jeez. And then that day it'll say funny things like, like, hey, Mr. C, hope you're having a great day <laughs> podcasting. And, like, they're fairly funny. And then wow. all you got to do is click it, and it loads it in your messages, and you hit send. And then it starts a conversation with your friends. Wow. Yeah. That's and cool. you just do these things for fun. Yeah. What was it that made you want to do this one? 
I don't know. That's kind of the jumping on the AI craze. I was trying to okay. figure out an application that I could do that uses AI. And this was the only thing I could really come up with. But I'm terrible at keeping in touch with my friends. So I figured if I just do this, then like on their birthdays, I have no excuse other than to like click a button. The problem is, is they all know I use it. So when I send them a message that's like really well written, they're like, that was your app, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) And you could be like, hey, at least I'm reaching out. At least I'm trying. Yeah. So if you use it, don't tell your friends that you use it. And they'll just be like, wow, he always remembers. And they're always (laughs) the most thoughtful messages. Yeah. I'm going to look, I'm going to get at Kitty Bank. And so you just, you just do the points and then. Works really well. That's cool. The best part is it it plays a sound, right? Because that's what the kids care about. Yeah. I'm getting a point, so just it's incredibly simple. Oh, there's no service up here. There it should it be. Yeah, there it is. There you go. And so all you got to do, this little button down here turns the volume up. Like, good job, Molly. Oh, or that's like, cool. Nope, that was not right. <laughs> and like, that works really well. Oh, yeah, they don't. That That's, I mean, even for me, I was like, I don't want to hear that buzzer. Yeah, and in the yeah. next week, I'm going to release an update that you can just go, hey, Siri, add a point for Molly. Yeah, they'll, they'll love that. It's yeah, it's in submission right now. So definitely gonna check that out. That's awesome. So what's um? I can't. Believe, it's it's so funny to me that you're like I'm just I'm just developing apps apps for fun. Yeah, it's, it's just what I do. It prevents me from playing video games. Oh okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like feeds my addiction. <laughs> so um, what's been kind of the hardest thing about parenting? Oh gosh, that's. I think. I don't know. The hardest thing for me has probably been, I'm just not an empathetic person. Yeah. I'm not, I'm a logical, I'm like very like masculine man. Like I just, Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to identify with little sensitive girly girls. And Molly is very sensitive and it's been very hard for me to learn that I have to approach things differently because she's so sensitive Mm -hmm. that if I just say like, suck it up buttercup, which is what I would tell a boy, like it doesn't it isn't gonna work with her um and this kind of manifested when she was really little like she would throw like multiple hour long tantrums like epic tantrums and like cc was just not like that like cc was she'd throw a tantrum and then i'd be like shiny object and then she'd snap out of it you know two minutes <laughs> later but molly would like you couldn't get her out of it when she got going it was game over for the next two hours yeah and then we found out it was just because she's just a very sensitive child that's been very hard for me. I'm just not like that. I don't, I'm not in touch with my feelings. <laughs> I mean, empathy's hard for anybody. Yeah. I think empathy is like the core of that. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife is very good at that, fortunately. Most of them are. <laughs> She's like my perfect compliment in that. Yeah. Like, I have to like remind her, like, you gotta, you gotta tell me because I just don't know. Yeah. Like, be blunt about it, please. Like, if you got to hit me, please hit me. Like, do whatever it takes because I don't understand this stuff. It's interesting because I'm just I'm 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 not logical at all. Really? Yeah. The like opposite. the way that that's you. Funny. I mean, that's alien. It's alien to me to think that way. Like, I'm like Spock sometimes. Where like it just doesn't make sense to be emotional about this. It's not going to yeah. benefit mm-hmm. anyone. Mm-hmm. So like, <laughs> it's hard for me because the, you know, the little ones are just like little emotional train wrecks if something happens and. Yeah, it's hard for me to just be like, just doing things. Just do the things. Just do the thing. Yeah. I'm always like, what does it all mean? <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's been good in some ways because I can deal with stress very well. Yeah. But I also like, 
you know, it's hard to maintain relationships with people that aren't like that. Mm-hmm. They just don't see eye to eye. Yeah. So like, what's one, what's something that scares you about being a dad? Things that keep you up at night, oh, those yeah. type of things. I mean, obviously like the health and welfare of the kids, but like, I think one thing that scares me is just them like not believing in me anymore. You know, like not, uh-huh. not being the, the leader of the family. Right? Like failing them yeah. is the big thing that scares me. I don't, I don't have a specific fear of what that failure, what failure would look like, but that would, that'd be the worst thing that could happen to me. You know? Wow. No one's ever said that on here. And I think that's one thing that I think a lot of us think about not being that person. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> not being the rock in the family. I think, mm-hmm. you know, I, the blessing and the curse of my like lack of emotion is just, is that I'm like the rock, right? I got, I'm, I got to be steady. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that the decisions I don't make and the risks I incur don't impact them negatively. I think that's, that's my biggest fear. Mm. I think along with that, not necessarily with directly in regards to my children, but like my other biggest fear is not prioritizing my wife, right? That relationships are hard. It's, especially years and years of marriage. Like my wife is, she's a saint for putting up with half the stuff she does with me. And mm-hmm. she is like the perfect compliment for everything I am. She's like, we are at work as great as a team. And I just worry that like, I'm not prioritizing her enough sometimes. And she's just not one to tell me, you know, she, she's just so even keeled and patient with me and gracious that like, I don't know if she would. And that worries me. Well, you also got to think too, like life just start, life just goes, you know, yeah. we, we could blink and four months have passed. <clears throat> it's not because of anything more than just, we have our plates are full. Yeah. You know, you've got work, you've got kids to do things and there's this and there's that. And then mm-hmm. it's rinse, repeat, and you're doing the same thing again. And, and before you know it, like there goes that week. And then that week turns into a month, into a year. And I think, uh, that's right. I mean, I think about that too. And I just, I think the awareness is the key awareness is, you know, just being aware that you're thinking about that, you know, and, and it's like nothing, you have to force the time for anything. Once you have a family, that's right. You really do. You have to prioritize things that you normally wouldn't need to. That would just come naturally. Like when, when, when before kids or whatever, you're just like, no, it's a Tuesday. We'll just go do it then. That's you right. know, yeah. when you have kids yeah. and like, you know, my wife has, has two offices, you know, and that kind of thing. It's like, no, it's like you, we've got to plan things months in advance. Yeah. Like a date night. You yeah. Can, there's a lot of logistics that go into They're, that. Oh my gosh. You got to find a babysitter. <laughs> yeah. It costs twice as much. That costs that. <laughs> yeah. And so then you got to make sure you're budgeting for the, the, the babysitter yeah. and then where are you going to go and how long you, and then. I mean, there's all sorts of things that are going into it. You know? Things you don't think about as a kid. You're like, oh, I'm going to be married. It's going to be great. I got my person. And then you realize that like, you spend so much time with that person. Things become yeah, hard they and do. routine and like, not interesting anymore. And you have to make them interesting. Yeah, then you got to figure it out. And then, I mean, it's almost like seasons. Yeah, the things I, that we were into as adults, we're probably not into it now. That's and, exactly right. Man. Yeah. Getting, uh, keeping things interesting is always fun because I tend to overdo it. Yeah, a little bit too much. Have you heard of those? I've 
Instagram popping up those cards that you buy that are like you like scratch off and each scratch off is a different type of date. No. And you like shuffle the deck and then you choose and then you sh- you scratch it off and then That's you have to fun. do whatever's on there. Oh boy. Yeah. It'd be fun. It could be. Yeah. It Thank looks you. fun. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to have to get some of those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of us think about that. Making sure we're prioritizing the wife, making sure we're putting people yep. first. I mean, we're a lot harder on ourselves than anyone else is going to be. You're absolutely you right. Know? You just kind of got to be aware and make the make the decisions and yeah, trust it's going to work, you know? That's right. So how do you find time for yourself? How do you find like balance? Like how do you like what do you do for these type of things to find some sense of balance? don't sleep a lot (laughs) really well i'm pretty fortunate in that like while i have a longer commute like my job's pretty flexible like i can Mm -hmm. you know i generally speaking i work on a classified setting so when i plan a like a an unclassified call i take it from my phone in the car because like Mm -hmm. i can i have an hour in a in a car to just like talk and listen if i have to Mm -hmm. so i plan things around that so i can leave a little earlier and and take like my last few calls in the car um, and that gives me time. I get home, I hang out with the kids until, you know, dinner, get them to bed. And then I, that's like, I go and do a little bit helping Jess with clean up and then I code, right? I get like an hour or two of coding a night <clears throat> and that's like, it recharges me enough. And then I go and lay down when Jess puts on a rom-com and I fall asleep within 10 minutes. Of <laughs> lather, rinse, repeat. <laughs> What is it about coding that that you just I don't un, like for me I just say that it's like to me that looks so foreign just sitting there and just coding. Yeah, you know uh you could do sudoku or mm-hmm. yeah, like it, it's like that that solving of a puzzle. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like that but over and over and over and like bigger and more complicated and it it's do you play video games at all? Sometimes. Yeah, you know how like you get going in a video game like it wires you and you you like have yeah. to come down from it. Uh-huh. It's the same thing with me. Like if I'm coding hardcore, I, I have trouble falling asleep because I'll just be running through scenarios in my mind and I'll have like breakthroughs when I'm laying there in bed like, oh, that's what I missed. Like, I'm like that with writing now. Yeah. So I have I have, I have have little notebooks everywhere. See, I could never do that. Writing was just like so hard for me. Yeah, I have I have a little notebook by my bed in case something pops up. I have a notebook that's in my pocket. It's not here because it's it's on my table somewhere because I was writing in it earlier. Yeah. Um, because I find that, yeah, things come in all sorts of times, and I just need to make sure I have it written down. It could be something or could not be something. But yeah, it's good. Yeah. I, see, I'm the same way. I have to write it down or I won't remember it. I use the Notes app on my phone. I'll uh-huh. just dictate to it. Yeah, I do that too. But yeah. writing, like, the game has changed for, like, your school level writing with ChatGPT and Grammarly. Oh, God, I'm so glad I don't have to deal with that. Man, that's hard. Oh, man, because you see what people write with those things. It writes so well. Yeah. I use it for work. Like, dude, I'll, I'll like, have a paper I need to write on some technical thing, and I'll I'll just be like, hey, I need, a, I need these four points to be made in four paragraphs. And, it's like, and then I'll take it, copy and paste it into Grammarly, and then it'll fix all things, make it sound a little smarter. And I'm not a talented writer by no means, but I get accolades when I write stuff because Jeez. I'm using the tools at and my disposal. You know what nobody's saying? This is how Terminator started. <laughs> That's exactly right. 
This is Sky Skynet became self aware. They came on, and here we are just using it for step one. It is, man. We're Writing all a part. We're all a part of the machine. That's exactly right. <laughs> the Matrix. Plug me in. And all of a sudden, Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to burst through this door and <laughs> shut us up right now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, um, how do you? So, what do you view your role as a dad? Or what is it? What does being a dad mean to you? Is it like guider, facilitator, protector? That's a good question. I don't know. I I don't necessarily view it as a role. I, I view it as more of a relationship with my little buddies. Right. <laughs> I just want to like, I want to see them do the best that they can do, and I want to provide them with the tools and the knowledge to get there. Yeah. Um, and the experiences to enjoy it along the way. So I I, I don't know. Maybe that. That's more of a mentor. Like, that's what I hope to be in their lives. Um, I don't know. There's so little that, like, right now it's like, you know, sit down, eat your food, like, <laughs> try new things, <laughs> simple things like that. But please eat your food. God, just please eat your food. <laughs> Molly's yeah. getting to the point where she's she's smart enough where she asks like relatively hard questions. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, things she can read really well, so she'll be like, what does this mean? Why does it say that? And you go down some rabbit hole from some sign mm-hmm. on the side of the road. That's crazy. I, I like that you said relationship. I think a lot of us, that's what we wanted. Yeah. You know? That's right. And uh, I just want to make sure I fill that gap so some teenage horny boy doesn't down the road. You know? That's that's my goal. So I want to make sure that I am I am their, their first and foremost thought for as long as I can be. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Um, so real quick, what was the name of your app again? Kitty Bank. Kitty Bank. <laughs> 99 cents on the app store. Unlike most apps, you just pay once. <laughs> oh, yeah. And there's no hidden, like, yeah. you get to a certain level like these games. Oh, yeah. I'm making millions on this app, too. I've I made, I think I've made, like, like $17 <laughs> to date. It's pretty good. Oh. Hey, that's $17 you didn't have. That's right. Yeah. I, I can almost <laughs> buy a meal with that. <laughs> you could. <laughs> Well, Nick, um, thanks for coming on. Yeah, I'm glad you were me. wanting to do this. This was such a rad conversation. Yeah, it was good. We covered it. lots of topics, and I really enjoyed the, the fighter pilot, all that talk. I mean, there's the little kid in me that watched Top Gun, and that it scratched an itch. Yeah, man, anytime you want to talk about it, I'll tell you all Sweet. kinds of stories and show you videos. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Well, yeah, thanks, guys, for listening. Um, appreciate all the support. Be excellent to each other. And this concludes another Dad Talk episode on the Balanced Mail Podcast.